Welcome to Because You Need to Know, recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. I'm Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Today in the studio, we have Kim Glover. Kim has over 25 years experience in communications, marketing, project management, digital engagement, and knowledge management, and is the director of knowledge management for Technip FMC, the winner of the KM World 2017 Reality Award. Where are you? What are you doing? Right now, Edwin, I'm in Washington, D.C., in my hotel room on a break from the KM World Knowledge Management Conference Hmm. and preparing for my fifth talk this week, which will be tomorrow at one o'clock. Wow. What's the topic? The topic for tomorrow at one o'clock is the ways that knowledge management and talent management and learning and people development uh, can leverage the synergies between all of those uh, disciplines which are related, right? They're all mm. about people. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily leverage those synergies in a, in a good way, or in some cases at some companies at all. At all. Yes. Understood. Because everybody likes technology being the fix for everything. Yes. And really at the end of the day, in the beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, <laughs> it's all about people, <laughs> right? Until we get to the magical age where AI is running everything uh, and we can keep a, a, a person out of the loop. But until then, yeah, our, <laughs> our sticky fingers are in everything, correct? That's right. That's uh, right. So where did you get your perspective going into knowledge management to be a HR-centric type person? Because there seems to me that there are people that fall into different buckets and the three main buckets we get to play in are people, processes, and technology. So how'd you end up in the people? That's a really good question. I I think that there are different factors that drive humans, right? Um, My earlier career, a longest stop on the journey was in proposals for a high-tech software company. And that doesn't really sound like it's about people. It sounds more like it's about documents and numbers. But really, the people behind the large multi-million dollar proposals efforts are engineers who know lots of stuff and aren't necessarily the best at uh, communicating what they know. And so there's a wonderful marriage between people who love to share and communicate and collaborate and write and speak. And those incredibly intelligent engineer types who are innovative, but not necessarily good at communicating. And I really started doing knowledge management before I knew I was doing it because we gathered all kinds of wonderful reusable content from those bright engineers for our proposals. Mm. And it was the relationships with those engineers that really drove me. And it continues to be, even though after seven years, I was able to move out of uh, proposals uh, into knowledge management, but to continue to leverage those same relationships, because those people are also the ones who most need to have their knowledge shared. Uh, Yeah. Right. This core 
ship that you were part of to connect with these engineers and, and be able to draw out all the nuggets that you need to build the wheel that sells the thing that builds the next thing and all of that. Was that a formal process or an informal process? And is that just something that started out of the grassroots of need? It was an evolution. Uh Um, Like anything, you begin with leveraging what is already there, right? That's a a change management tenant that we say all the time. Uh, Start with people where they are and then move them sometimes in a well-planned, orchestrated way, and sometimes <laughs> uh, in more of a serendipity. Dragging them behind you way? Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so I would say that most of it was serendipity um, as we evolved and uh, learned from some mistakes, yeah. but also um, captured what was working and turned it into a more systematic approach. Well, it had to be a very exciting time to be there. Especially if you're, you know, a a KM passionate, as I think you are, uh, that would have been like, oh boy, we're, 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 we're changing stuff. We're, we're doing stuff. You know, it's, uh, we're connecting the dots and, and people are actually okay with that. Absolutely. And along with that though, Edwin, I'd like to share a big mistake that I made, Uh which can continue to be made by KM people now. Uh, as I mentioned, after seven years in proposals, I was really happy to move over into uh, knowledge management, knowledge sharing, collaboration. And I took some workshops and I learned all about knowledge mapping and knowledge audits and harvesting knowledge and taxonomy. And I came back to the office and all those engineers with whom I had fabulous relationships and who could literally bring me something on a napkin and my team could turn it into a wonderful proposal. I scared them. I scared them away. Uh, They scattered like roaches in the light. They did not want anything to do with all this fancy highfalutin knowledge mapping stuff. And so I learned the hard way, really speak about simple things and speak about them simply and leverage your relationships, but don't try to make it about something fancy and new. It's an easy trap to fall into, right? I mean, a lot of people think that as soon as we can involve some computing power, it's got to make it better, right? It's got to make it better. But you're saying sometimes that'll step on your own foot in that situation. Absolutely. You really have to love people, I I believe, to be a knowledge management professional and Mm -hmm. stay in the field. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we also say a lot is it's not about the tool because, as you know, you can have the best tool in the world. But if you don't connect the dots with the people and, again, meet them where they are and link arms and cross that bridge to where you want them to be together, it's not going to happen. It kind of reminds me of an old story my my dad would say is that uh, in the old days of just shooting pool at like a lunch spot place, you know, and the pool table would be there and everybody would be shooting pool at lunch. He said that the, a good pool shark can win a game with a broom handle. You don't have (laughs) to have a $500 cue if you know what you're doing. I mean, it helps, but, uh, it's all about that internal knowledge. And so I just, I think of that because there, there seems to be some truth in what you're saying from my perspective, because in a top-down driven solution of an IT architecture enterprise level that is going to do all the great big things in the world, in my experience, usually stubs its toe on when it hits the culture. 
there seems to be an adoption or adaption resistance, the change they don't, you know, what, whatever that is. I mean, the result is it is drug through, uh, in a slow pace with a lot of grumbling. It's so true. And we haven't used the word culture yet, but that's really what it's all about. Culture is the enabler or it can be the barrier. And to be great at KM, you have to understand how to harness a culture. And that goes back to those change management techniques and to trusted relationships, Mm -hmm. to finding influencers, to taking things that are already happening and highlighting them as knowledge management. Mm -hmm. Many people, most people are already doing great things. The KM professionals challenge is to take those to a department level or an enterprise level, not to change what they're doing, but to enhance it or to make it scalable. So yeah, culture, uh, I think I've done bunches of presentations on uh, culture eating strategy for breakfast. And it's the truest words that were ever spoken. So do you want to be involved in a little strategy meeting on Saturday with, with my nonprofit? Oh, well, it sounds like fun. (laughs) (laughs) We're always looking for expertise and you sound like you're bringing everything that I feel is important when it comes to that long-term, how do you make an organization sustainable? And if you don't recognize a knowledge asset as a true fluid asset, regardless of the tools and the processes, which is still at this moment, all people, that is a missed opportunity, very much a missed opportunity. Yes. And I appreciate the kind words, but I think um, any expertise that I have is the result of being a grizzled old KM (laughs) and and having made some really spectacular mistakes, but understanding the KM um, belief and applying it, that lessons learned really do make us stronger. I I feel that. The lessons learned thing, you bring that up and it's like, that seems to be one of those ways an organization will approach trying to capture and understand its own understanding as it changes through experience, right? And build that. Do you see an organization stumbling in that application of lessons learned? What have you seen that worked well doing lessons learned and what didn't work so well? Well, I, I read somewhere, and I, I wish I could claim this phrase, but I can't, uh, that a lesson learned that isn't applied is really only a lesson identified. And I do see that happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, pretty much anyone I've ever talked to about lessons learned, if they put the word database behind it, then the next part of the conversation is that they're disappointed that people aren't using it as much as they should. (laughs) So for me, success with lessons learned is more about enabling an ecosystem where people understand that it is safe to fail. Obviously you don't want to fail in any big ways that create accidents or harm human lives, but safe to fail in the sense that, It is a cultural norm to share mistakes so that everyone can learn from them. So I wouldn't say uh, lessons learned successes that I've seen are based on any particular technology. Again, it goes back to culture. And I think it can be a very healthy lessons learned culture in an organization, nonprofit or for profit, and utilize numerous mechanisms, platforms, 
um, processes and strategies to get those lessons shared. Mm-hmm. It could be something as simple as um, people meeting and having mistake of the week, which is what we used to do when I ran proposals. Mistake of the a, week. Hey, everybody, yeah. let's go hear about what Bob did. Or, yeah, 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 and we had a little uh, trophy and it sat oh, on your desk. get out. And, we did. And it was not a badge of shame. It was a badge of honor because if you've got 12 people doing proposals, um, they're all doing similar work. Yeah. And if someone accidentally sends a marked up version to the client and lets everyone else know, then the team can decide together how to learn from that lesson. Put in one more check, yeah. et cetera. So it could be something that simple or it could be something like using enterprise social to just say, hey, this happened. Yeah. Or it could be something as formal as a database as long as it is incorporated into the flow of work, right? Yeah, that it's not a separate piece. Yeah, exactly. So how do you build a culture that is non-punitive uh, when someone fails? How did that well, How did that space even get to the point where it was okay? You know, you tried something, good job, you know, good effort, because you don't want to squash effort, right? Or the, the creative juice to try something or just do a, a, a procedural mistake like your example, just, oops, uh, shouldn't have done that. Those are all learning opportunities. That's how you do it, right? You reward the courage of the person who shared the mistake that anyone else could make. And that safe to fail mantra is really the whole thing behind agile, right? Fail forward, fail fast. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do these quick iterations, see what works, see what doesn't, build on it. I think um, as a whole, we were, are moving toward uh, a society where we recognize that failure is normal. And only if we share it rather than hide it, can we all become better. It doesn't happen overnight. I don't think it happens in a year or two. But I think that leadership behaviors mm-hmm. are where it starts and ends. Definitely is a a leading indicator, if you will, of what an organization is or is not, is that leadership. It's always funny because the leadership scope looks a little different when you're inside the wall versus outside the wall sometimes in an organization on what that effect is, right, On 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 the populace of the workforce. Absolutely. What would be your best advice or resource for someone that is getting their feet wet in knowledge management. Maybe they're not quite ready to get into the uh, ISO for knowledge management yet, but they they want to, you know, hey, I need to learn a little more. I love that question because for the first 10 or more years of my KM life, I really didn't have much of a budget. And one of the things that I did was tap into the nonprofit resource which is APQC, APQC.org. And uh, much of what I learned was self-taught using their materials. I think it's a great organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, the books that have been published by Carla O'Dell, the uh, the CEO, chairman of the board now, are fabulous. They provide an excellent structure if you're trying to see what a KM program is. I would say uh, equally as important is to benchmark and create relationships, to go onto LinkedIn or other forums and join as many as you can, ask questions, uh, be a lurker if you're shy, but uh, try to get over that and make connections. That's one reason I'm here this week at KM World. I've been in knowledge management almost 20 years, and there are so many people here that I can learn from. That KM tribe is a strong one, 
we help each other. Yeah. So those would be my two biggest pieces of advice for people just starting out. Are you planning on going to the KM Midwest Symposium in 2020? I don't know about the KM Midwest Symposium. Oh my goodness. Let me share. So I'm from the South. Oh, oh, from Texas. That's okay. We're that's kind of Midwest. You know, it's you know, you're not El Paso, <laughs> Texas, are you? No, Houston. Okay. Oh, see, you're you're right by like Cincinnati. I mean, you're right in the neighborhood there. I get it. So we'll talk about that because that's coming up in 2020. And uh, it is a group of people that are like-minded, that are passionate about knowledge management, people getting together and sharing what they know. That sounds fabulous. It sounds like a lot of really smart people creating great ideas and sharing and building on each other's. There's our our motto for the year right there. Kim Glover said, (laughs) yes, I like it. All right. Well, maybe we'll see you there. While we end up here, I would like you to uh, describe or provide a definition of what knowledge management is to Kim Glover. Wow, Edwin, that's the hardest question you've asked me today. (laughs) If you notice uh, in LinkedIn groups about knowledge management, the definition of knowledge management is always the one uh, the, the discussion that gets the most responses. And I would say it in several different ways. Okay. Knowledge management is what you need it to be in your organization. It is context specific. It's what you need it to be to help people share what they know, learn from each other, and find the knowledge they need. I think that's the simplest definition that I have And I really like it because it's not about technology. It's really just about humans being better and doing better because they have shared. Um, One other thing we like to say about knowledge management is that it makes you faster, tougher, and smarter as an organization. And our tagline for knowledge management in our organization is Sharing makes us smarter. I like that. Yes. Uh, Well, I appreciate your time and your glowing personality. I say we do this again very soon. Thank you, Edwin. I really appreciate it. And it's nice to finally have this conversation. Recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax-exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer-ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.